This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity, a Reformed Episcopal parish in the Anglican Church of North America in Houston, Texas. Find us online at holytrinityrec.org. Find us on Facebook as Holy Trinity Houston, and on Twitter and Instagram as Holy Trinity REC. Enjoy the sermon. For it is better to suffer for doing good. This line in the epistle lesson tonight from 1 Peter speaks of the call of everything that comes in our lives after baptism. On Easter, even every year, the service includes a focus on our baptisms and our renewal in our baptisms. The epistle speaks of a life that reflects all that baptism entails. The renewal of our baptismal vows, as we just practiced together, is an important part of the liturgy for this night for many Christians throughout the world. In the historic church, we practice one baptism once in a lifetime. Thereafter, the service of the baptismal renewal sets a tone every year to recall our own baptisms and to renew the vows from the very beginning. Yet every time we partake of the Holy Communion, as we will partake tonight, we also renew our baptismal vows and are nourished by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Life is not a series of several baptisms slash conversions that restarts everything, such as like cutting the whole tree down of our lives every time we're rebaptized. The way of the historic church, though, teaches that life is not a series of cutting down the whole tree several times, but rather to repent and to renew our baptismal vows when we partake of the communion. This is akin to the imagery we read throughout God's word of God pruning us back when needed so that we can come back healthier than before. The only times we really see a tree in scripture being cut down to the root is when all is lost and final judgment is incurred. Tonight as we celebrate this eve of the resurrection, let us focus on the encouraging words of our epistle from 1 Peter and living our lives in allegiance to our Savior Jesus Christ. Verses 17 through 20 of the lesson tonight speaks of the truth of God's preparing for us to suffer in this life for his sake and his work of preaching to the spirits in prison in between his death and resurrection. As verse 17 states, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Too often in the sinful world when we suffer for the consequences for our sins, we still complain that it's not fair. But this is simply still a denial of our responsibility. It means we need to be convicted more before we're ready to repent and turn back to God. Part of suffering for doing good is receiving the sinful wrath of those stuck in their sins. We must be careful as Christians as we suffer turning to God in prayer for help and comfort to see us through. 
As we know, in the midst of our sufferings on this side of eternity, it's easy to get swept up into impatience. And suffering for doing good in Jesus, we need to pray and ask in our, for the prayers and support of fellow Christians. As Christians, we're promised the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And we're promised the presence of one another as the body of Christ. Within this context, given to us by God, we have a solid foundation from which to continue on as Christ's faithful soldiers, fighting manfully under his banner, as our baptismal liturgy states. With the imagery of fighting the good fight as Christian soldiers, we know suffering will come. As we follow our Lord's example to preach the gospel of exposing darkness with the light of Jesus to the lost, we receive backlash and pushback and sinful retribution. Sometimes that suffering is emotional. Sometimes the emotional turns into physical suffering. But this is the call for all of us in Christ, as he told his disciples before his ascension. When we seek ease of this life as our chief goal, we slowly lose sight of how suffering for Christ is the reality of the Christian. Unfortunately, in times of ease for the church, as has occurred occasionally in our history, Christians become lax in their spiritual disciplines to the point even worship on the Lord's day becomes an option amidst so many other enticements. Sometimes harsh seasons of extreme suffering hit to wake the church up from her slumber in the easy moments. Plague, pestilence, and famine hit not only the heathen, but also Christians. While the heathen resort to their own devices to try to save themselves, usually by making others suffer, the Christian is called, as we are this night, to look to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to be his shining lights of love, of eternal hope in a world stuck in sin and death without hope. Jesus, as he read in the Stations of the Cross last night and the Gospels throughout this Holy Week, suffered immensely for our salvation. We look to example of him for comfort and his presence in the midst of our travails. As verse 18 of our epistle noted, For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. No matter how much we go through in this life, Jesus is always with us as we endure to the end. In the midst of travails, he calls us to look upon him, to call upon his name for help. He endured all for us and prevailed for us so that our resurrections on that last great day of his return will be assured. In him alone, we have nothing to fear the adversities of this earth. Verses 19 through 20 speak of what we profess in the Apostles' Creed, what we just renewed our baptismal vows in a few minutes ago, that he descended into hell or the place of departed spirits. Our Lord freed the captives, as we read tonight, in the prison of death by proclaiming that he had fulfilled all things necessary for salvation. They too were promised through his resurrection that they would join with him in resurrection at his return to judge the living and the dead. 
In such a statement in our epistle, humanity before Christ was preached to in their prison that the only way to eternal life was through him and him alone. Our epistle ends tonight with verses 21 through 22 that speak of holy baptism in our Savior. Just as the old covenant sustaining meal of the Passover was replaced with holy communion at the last supper of our Lord, circumcision as the old covenant rite of coming into the church of the people of God was replaced with holy baptism by our Lord Jesus' command in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Peter used the imagery in verse 20 of our epistle of God saving eight people in the ark from the flood. And verse 21 draws this conclusion. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism sets us apart. As God's dear adopted children through the work of Christ. Without his resurrection, this is all worthless. Our good conscience is the result of the work of Jesus Christ to cleanse us of our sins, making us an acceptable people before God through the resurrection of Christ. God does not wait for us to make it a certain way. God does not wait until we have made our own way towards goodness. That's impossible. No, his son's work of redemption, culminating with the defeat of death through the resurrection, has made us clean. With his ascension to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, we are fully covered by his work through his continual advocacy and mediation on our behalf. As the last verse of the epistle states, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. The satanic claims of old against us are forever thwarted at every turn by our Savior Jesus Christ as king in heaven, stating with full authority and subjugation of all our enemies that their claims are worthless against us. Our standing as his redeemed people by his death and resurrection is forever secure. No matter what this life throws at us. So much of what we encounter on this side of eternity are the accusations of the enemy of all that says we are not really worthy of God. We are constantly bombarded with accusers wanting us to believe the lie that we have to rely upon our own merits and works when such is impossible. It's truly easy to go the route of being the best person you can be through your own efforts at goodness. But that's the way of the world, to rely on self. And it's far too easy as the church to push this over and against what Jesus Christ accomplished for us, ignoring his work in favor of pumping ourselves up. As Robert Capon wrote, and the sad fact is that the church, both now and at far too many times in its history, has found it easier to act as if it were selling the sugar of moral and spiritual achievement rather than the salt of Jesus' passion and death. We share with Jesus Christ's death at our baptisms, 
As Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 3 reminds us, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? The message of God calling the ancient Hebrews to set apart their infants with circumcision shows forth that it is God's unmerited grace through his love of us that's important. Not what I can muster up in terms of brownie points to be allowed in the door. The same is true of baptism. Holy baptism is the work of God and God alone on our behalf. It's not our work. It's not our doing. The act of bringing even infants into the church of Jesus Christ through baptism conveys the message that it is the work of God alone, that he alone is sovereign, that all of us are God's children. None of our brownie points involved. Baptism is obedience to follow Jesus into his death, to live eternally as promised in the resurrection. It is all about the grace of God through his son's work that enables us to be brought into his church via baptism, whether children or adults. Baptism means a life thereafter that continues in him through all our highs and all our lows, constantly being pruned and fostered to bear his fruit. We are free in him to live by faith as we do now together tonight, gathered to celebrate the resurrection. We are called to be holy and are only able to be holy by his holiness applied to us by his work of redemption. In this good news, we can live anew and thrive through all we face, harsh and easy. Let us remember tonight, in the midst of this celebration of the resurrection, our baptisms, our beginnings in the faith, knowing we are fully God's children by grace, by his work, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. O Almighty God, with whom do we live, do live the spirits of the just made perfect? Look upon us, thy servants, whose lives are vanity and whose days pass away like a tale that is told. Give us, O God, the spirit of wisdom and peace to guide us in the ways of righteousness that being holy in our lives, we may be blessed in our deaths and our souls may be born by thy ministering spirits to the mansions of the Lord till by the trumpet of God we shall be awakened in the resurrection of the just through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.